Welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast. I am your host, CJ Dieters. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about all the new movement that has gone on with the Jazz, new additions, new departures, saying goodbye to a few players, and welcoming in a few others. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to give a quick update. So, Team USA made it to the semifinals in uh, the Olympics, but so has Team France and Team Australia. So, the Jazz have Joe Ingles with the Australian team and Rudy Gobert with the French team. I always hope that the U.S. wins at every single sport that they play, um, that they compete in in the Olympics. But, you know, I wish the best of luck to Rudy and to Joe. So, coming into this offseason... The Jazz knew that they needed to become more versatile and better on the defensive end, including versatility, Um, and I think that that's what they they accomplished this summer. Um, The offseason is definitely not fully over yet, but for the most part, this Jazz roster is what it's going to be. So first off, uh, day one, probably within the first 20 minutes of free agency starting, Um, It was announced that Mike Conley is coming back to the Jazz. Um, It's announced as a three-year, $72.5 million deal. Now, anytime any of these numbers are announced, it's the agent that puts the number out first, and then later on you get the actual number. So there's, you know, bonuses, likely bonuses, unlikely bonuses. There's all these different clauses that are in these contracts. So $72.5 is not what I think he's going to end up being paid. It's probably going to be somewhere closer to like 66, 68, somewhere around there. Um, But yeah, it's great to have Mike Conley back. Um, Now I think that, you know, with his his injury struggles that he's had in the past, I think it's probably the best idea just to, every time you play it back-to-back, he's going to sit one of those games. So you pick whoever is the better of the two teams you're going to play and have him play against those. So if you have a a uh, back-to-back with the, we'll say you're in California, so back-to-back with the Kings and the Warriors, I would have Conley sit out <clears throat> against the Kings, play against the Warriors, um, and, and do that all throughout the season so that you know Mike can stay as fresh as possible and be as healthy as absolutely possible for the uh, for the playoffs. So then, the Jazz didn't make any more moves on on night one, but early on day two, uh, which is uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday morning. Wow. <laughs> There's been just so much movement in the NBA that it, it feels like it's been a lot longer time, but it's only been a few days. But anyway, so that morning, Jazz used their mid-level or <clears throat> taxpayer mid-level exception um, to sign Rudy Gay to a two-year, twelve million dollar deal, so six million per year. Um, I love this pickup for the Jazz. Rudy is—he's an older guy, like he's definitely not the same player that he was ten years ago. But he is—he is what. Uh, Joe Johnson was to that Jazz team a few years ago where they got into the playoffs and the rest of the team was struggling and they could just throw the ball to Joe and just let him go to work and he 
is the big reason that they beat the Clippers um, in round one in that playoff series. Um, and Rudy's a very similar player to that. Um, the guy is really big, um, 6'8", 250 pounds. Um, I, I've been watching a lot of film on all these guys that the Jazz brought in. I've seen them before, but it, it's nice to refresh on what <clears throat> exactly the Jazz are getting. But Rudy Gay is basically the same size as Derek Favors, maybe 10, 15 pounds lighter. But he's a big dude, played the small forward for most of his career. Um, as he's gotten older, he's moved to the power forward. But last year, he actually played quite a bit of center for for the Spurs. And they go to a really <clears throat> you know small ball lineup, play him at the center. And they were pretty successful in that time. And that's another, you know lean towards the Jazz, wanting to be more versatile to where if a team goes small ball against them, they can match up. And they, you know, and then if another team is playing two bigs against them, you know, they can be the one to go small ball and, and mess with the other team. Um, later on that night, the Jazz, oh, before I talk about this, I should talk about, so I know I brought this up on the podcast already, but before the day after the draft, Derek Favors was traded to the Thunder. Um, it was a move to get off of his money. Um, again, wish <clears throat> Derek nothing but the best of luck in, in Oklahoma City. But now, because of this, the Jazz have a hole at the center position. They have Rudy Gobert. They have Yudoka Azubuki. Now, Rudy's going to play, you know, 33, 34 minutes a game in the regular season. In the playoffs, he's going to go out there and play, you know, 40, 44 minutes. So you don't need a ton of time at the, at the backup center in the playoffs. And that's one of the biggest reasons that they moved on from Derek Favors. Um, you know, you're paying a guy $9 million to, in the playoffs, play eight minutes. So the Jazz went out and, and uh, decided that they needed to add another center to the roster. Um, that Yudoka, while he has a future with this team, is just not quite ready yet to to really step in and a big piece of that was he you know was injured for most of the season last year um so instead of really worrying about um improving his game he was rehabbing his ankle um so the jazz filled that spot using a minimum contract which is you know there there are so many centers in this league that you can get a, a decent backup center for the minimum or just barely above it at this point. Um, and so the Jazz brought in Hassan Whiteside, which was actually probably the most surprising addition of this group. Hassan Whiteside on paper, um, and if you just read off his measurements, read off his stats, sounds like Bill Russell um, or Ben Wallace, just this amazing defensive center that that kills teams on the boards <clears throat> however what he does in reality is not quite that um, I think he's a good center you know not definitely not great definitely not top 10 center in the league he's probably somewhere in the 20s late 20s probably um, to where if you were a really bad team he could come in and be your starting center um, you know and he and he's kind of accepted this backup center role in the last few years. Um, but the guy is massive. He's about seven feet tall, probably around 285 pounds, athletic. Um, I've always 
I was saying when Yudoka Azubuki was drafted that if he absolutely peaks out and becomes everything that the Jazz think he could possibly be, I think he'd be a smarter and better better hustling Hassan Whiteside. Again, Hassan has he's huge, he's athletic, um, he can block shots like crazy. But there's a lot of times where he's not engaged, especially on the defensive end where he, he loses focus or, you know, he, he doesn't know exactly where to put himself, um, can get a little lazy. But on the minimum, for 12 to 15 minutes a game, I think it's an okay pickup for the Jazz. Um, especially... Again, using the minimum, what was left on the market, I think they did about as best as as good as they could have. Um, and hopefully, you know, well, there's there's two different things. Hopefully, Hassan Whiteside learns from Rudy, learns from Alec Jensen, learns from Quinn Snyder how to be the same kind of center that Rudy Gobert is, and becomes just an animal, and finally unleashes all that potential that. Everybody's known that he's had for all these years. Um, but on the other side, hopefully, you know, Yudoka Azubuki shows some real signs of of development and maybe can challenge Hassan Whiteside for that backup spot. I, I don't think it would be a bad problem to have two backup centers that can get the job done. Um... So, uh, so far again, they brought back Mike Conley, they added Rudy Gay, they added Hassan Whiteside. So then, let's see here, I'm losing track of my days here. Okay, so it would have been Monday night that Mike Conley signed, Tuesday that Rudy and Hassan signed. Okay, so Wednesday, the Jazz made a trade. Um... Again, this is a trade to add athleticism, add some length, add some versatility to this team. They sent a 2026 second-round pick to the Warriors for Eric Paschal. Um, so it, it is, this is a trade where you're giving up pretty close to nothing. And you're getting a guy in Paschal that was best friends with Donovan Mitchell growing up. He is about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, somewhere in that range, 260 pounds, long, long arms, probably, I think, 7'1", 7'2", wingspan, um, freak of an athlete. He's one of these guys that when he takes a jump shot, he's getting 30 inches off the floor. Um, still has a lot to develop in his game, um, but a very promising young player. And, it, again, it's a guy that gives the Jazz the option to go small ball because even though he's only 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, somewhere around there, he's played a lot of minutes at the center for the Warriors and all of his other minutes at the power forward. Um, so, again, the Jazz get longer. They get more versatile. Um, they get more athletic. So those four guys, along with um, Jared Butler, brings the Jazz to 14 players. So I'll quickly list them off for you. So you that center... You have Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, Yudoka Azubuki. At power forward, you have Rudy Gay, Royce O'Neal, 
uh, Eric Paschal. At small forward, you have Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Elijah Hughes. At shooting guard, you have Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, and Mie Oni. At point guard, you have Mike Conley and Jared Butler. So they have one spot that they can fill. They can still fill both their two-way spots. Um, I think backup point guard is probably the place they're going to look at. Now, they can always look at a veteran. Um, there's plenty still left on the, on the free agent market that will come in for a minimum and you know be able to give them some decent minutes at the backup point guard. Um, but also, Trent Forrest is a really intriguing player. He's about 6'4", 210 pounds, um, long, athletic, floor general on the offensive end. The big thing is his jump shot just needs a lot of work still, but it's showing improvement. And he's been playing in the summer league. Um, they've played two games so far, and he's looked just amazing. Now, it's a lower level of competition, I know that, but he, you can tell that he played NBA minutes last year because the game just looks slow to him. It looks like he can pick his spots, um, and he's not rushed by any means. And so he would definitely be a great option as a backup point guard. Now, one of the nice things about him is they can just bring him back on a two-way deal. Um, that's what his qualifying offer is right now. They could always offer him an NBA contract, but I think they'd probably like to just bring him back on a two-way and then maybe use that one last roster spot to sign somebody else. I know Jarrell Brantley is still out there, and the Jazz have a, a qualifying offer out on him. I know they still like Jawan Morgan and wouldn't mind bringing him back if that's what they needed to do. Now, after bringing in Rudy Gay and Eric Paschal, it makes it tougher for um, for a guy like uh, either Jawan Morgan or Jarrell Brantley to make it on the roster for this team because they have the you know those same type of athletes, the, the longer. Um, super athletes that defense is their calling card type guys on the roster. But there's definitely the option of bringing one of those two guys back. Um, and the Jazz could also, you know, bring Trent Forrest in on a two-way. Um, they can't bring Jarrell Brantley back on a two-way. Um, he's already done two years of two-way with the Jazz. Um, but they could bring in another player on a two-way. And then just keep that 14th roster spot open going into the season. Um, it's They did that last year. They kept that spot open for a lot of the year. Um, and then they filled it around the trade deadline, uh, bringing in Ursan Elisova and then trading for Matt Thomas. Um, they were able to fill that, that last spot. And I, I could definitely see the Jazz playing with the uh, flexibility of doing that again. Just having that spot open to where if the right guy gets bought out or, you know, somebody in their in their G League just really flashes and is showing pro potential or whatever it is, they can fill that spot at that point. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited about what the Jazz have done this offseason. They, they had a goal in mind, get more athletic, get more versatile, um, and that's what they did. Um, before we go, got a, 
let you know about one more departure that happened. Um, so, George Niang is heading to the Philadelphia 76ers on a two-year, $6.7 million deal. Um, he has a chance to earn a lot of minutes with that 76ers team. Being a guy at 6'8 that can actually shoot the ball, um, they need as many shooters as they can get over there with the 76ers with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons being your best players. Now, of course, Ben Simmons might get traded, but for now, they need as much shooting as they can get. Um, but, you know, I, I again, I wish George the, you know, the best of luck in, in Philadelphia. He was a guy that was a great locker room guy for the Jazz um, and really developed his skills over time. He's a guy that, if you listen to the podcast, you, you'd know that a lot of times I was saying that you should look into trading George Niang or moving off of him. But he he developed over time, became a passable defender. He's never going to be a great defender. He's just too unathletic. But he's a passable defender. He's a great three-point shooter. Um, he's a good passer. Um, so, again, I wish him the best of luck. Um, but where the Jazz are now, as far on two fronts as far as how they want to play, having that more versatility, more defense, more length, and with where they are as far as the luxury tax goes, it just didn't really make that much sense to bring George Nang back. Um, if the Jazz would have signed him to the same deal that the Sixers did, it would have cost them $14 million in luxury tax because they're to the point to where... So the, the luxury tax is progressive, so... I think, I think it's like the first $5 million over the tax, you pay $1.50. So if you're $4 million over, you know, you pay, well, that'd be 6 Yeah, so you pay $6 over, basically. Um, and then after that, it goes up to $2.5 and $3.5. And then if you're in, a, in the tax for three years... Then you go into what's called the repeater tax. and it, Anyway, um, I'm not going to bore you with that too much with that. If you're interested more in that, I'd listen to, like, the Dunked On podcast or uh, Real GM. Those guys can, can fill you in on all that. But anyway, the Jazz are to the point right now where their tax is at the $3.5 threshold. So that a little over $3 million for... Um, George Niang would end up costing them $14 million in luxury tax. And that's one of the bigger reasons that they didn't make this deal. Um, Ryan Smith, the new owner, has um, made a commitment that he's going to pay the luxury tax. He's going to do what it takes to help this team win. But at the same point, you know, it really doesn't make too much sense to... Uh, to pay unneeded tax, basically. Um, like, for instance, so the, the Warriors are in the repeater tax, and they are way over the tax. And so by shedding Eric Paschal, who makes $1.8 million, sending him to the Jazz, it saved the, uh, the Golden State Warriors $11 million in luxury tax. Moving off of a guy that makes $1.8, they saved $11 million. So that's where the Jazz are at new owner again is is committed to to paying it but he doesn't want somebody that's especially with the new guys that they added to the roster he doesn't want somebody that's not going to get 
any playing time, costing him, you know, $14 million, basically. Um, but anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Um, again, I'm very excited about what the Jazz have done. Um, M- NBA Summer Leagues are going on right now. Uh, tomorrow the is the last day of the Salt Lake City Summer League, and I think it's also the last day of the Orlando. And then they all go down to Las Vegas for, I think, two weeks. That's the really big Summer League tournament. Um, so you can look into that. Um, yeah, uh, the offseason's, you know, rolling. I'll do an episode of the Wasatch Basketball Podcast um, here pretty soon, just detailing all the moves that have happened. It has been a very, very busy offseason, so it'll, it'll take a while to go through everything, but we'll, we'll get an episode of that out pretty soon here. But again, thank you all so much for listening, um, and have a great day, and go Jazz!